This podcast is a presentation of Gateway Fellowship, Paulsville, Washington. Experience community, find hope. Check us out at gatewayfellowship.com. Well, how's everybody doing? Doing good? Good week? Pretty good week? Scale of 1 to 10. 10? 11? 7? 8? Three, what is it? <laughs> yeah, okay. So, well, um, let, me, let me ask a kind of a different question, but, but, but sort of related. And the, and the fact is, we're going to be all over the map on this. So we're going to be, we, there might be some ones, maybe online. There might be some ones here like going like, I'm just not going to say it. Because you don't know what I faced this past week, right? Or there might be some fives or we're somewhere in there. Or maybe we have floated. Maybe we started the week off. How many have ever experienced this? We started the week off with a 10, but before we got halfway through, it was like, it was like a three or a two or it was something happened. So the, here, here's the question right here. Are you ready? What caught you by surprise this past week? What caught you by surprise? Um, what is it that just caused you to go, uh-oh, you know, I was going to have you actually share that with your neighbor, but we're not going to do that. Just think about it for just a, just a moment. What is it that happened in your life that you went, oops, wasn't planning on that to happen? Now, um, the answer to that question is going to range from, you know, the, yeah, it's whatever. That was just a nuisance, like a mosquito, you know, to something really, really big. I have a friend who tells this story. Kind of a, it was kind of an, oh, oh, how'd that just happen? Um, but he's a pastor friend. He's telling the story of how he was on the stage, kind of like I am here today. And he did this thing, and then he went and sat down on the front row before he was going to come up and teach. And he turned to one of his team members, and he said this, would you go up next? I'm tired of looking at these people. <laughs> the problem was he forgot to turn off his mic. And all the people that he was tired of looking at just heard him say, I'm tired of looking at these people. Now, how, how do you deal with that? You know, uh, it's one of my personal, you know, like fears. I'm going to walk into the restroom and I'll leave my microphone on. But I, here's what I do know, like none of you would say anything to me, would you? Yeah, yeah, you most certainly would. So, but you know what? So we, we have weeks that kind of look like, ah, just, those are just like, you know, whatever. And they do pass pr- pretty quickly. But then we got some pretty big things. And some of you have faced some pretty big things. You're a parent and you heard from the school something you didn't want to hear from the school or the teacher. You got some mail and you opened up, you know, the envelope and you were, you were caught by surprise. You weren't expecting that. Or maybe you got some news from the doctor, you know, and it's like, that shocked me. And your week went from a 10 to a 1, maybe. What caught you by? Because I want to talk about that today. How do we as followers of Jesus live out this life right in the middle of some of the stuff that happens in life? It happens to all of us. By the way, we're not going to, you know this, and, and so welcome to church, right? You're not going to skate through life problem-free. And neither am I, right? We're going to face life because life is made up of, of these things. So how does a believer, next question is this, how does a believer approach these things in life, some of them that you're facing, facing today? Maybe we can adopt it for you. So <clears throat> some of you may not know the, know, know the name of Bobby McFerrin. 
Some of you will. More likely, um, most of us will recognize the song that he is known for, Don't Worry, Be Happy. Right? Don't worry, be happy. So maybe we just adopt that, you know, in, in life. Like, hey, don't worry, just be happy. Right? And we've tried that, right? And so he, he writes this song. And I got the words for you. You ready? Here's a little song I wrote. You might want to sing it note for note. Be happy. In every life we have some trouble, but when you worry, you make it double. Happy. Don't worry. Be happy now. Ain't no place to lay your head. Somebody came and took your bed. The landlord said your rent is late. He may have to litigate. Don't worry, be happy. Look at me, I'm happy. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Do, do those type of people irritate you? Maybe just a little bit. Um, but what, what the song does, it, it does give us this sense that life has to be lived um, intentionally, right? And as a follower of Jesus, what does it look like to live out this life intentionally when when things don't always go right. Although um, Bobby McFerrin um, was inspired by some poster he saw, it's almost as if like he read the book of Philippians, right? And then and then he, and he wrote this song, maybe, maybe inspired by some of, of Paul's writings. Um, the book of Philippians, that's the book that we're in now. So if you're brand new, we're in this series called Paul's Prison Letters. And so we're walking through those. So we were in Ephesians now. We're in Philippians. We're going to be moving on um, in, in, in a few weeks. Um, but the book of Philippians has been called and referred to as like the happiest book of the Bible. Happiest book of the Bible, right? It's a joyful book. Now, personally, I don't like the word happy. Um, like everything's happy. Don't worry, be happy. Because I think for the most case, you know, happiness, they say begins uh, or, or depends upon happenings. Like, so if you have the right happenings in your life, things go well. Then you could be happy, but if you don't, you're not. But it's been referred in that way. Um, the Apostle Paul uses Greek, the Greek words for joy and rejoicing like some 16 times in this little short book of four chapters. So that's why it's called a happy book or a, a joyful book. So he doesn't say, don't worry, be happy. That's not how Paul says it. But he does say it, and this is our focus today from Philippians chapter 3. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. Finally, Rejoice in the Lord. And then in the next chapter, he says this, rejoice in the Lord. Everybody say, again, I will say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And when he uses this word always, he's talking about when life is going really well, rejoice in the Lord. He's also talking when life offers up some challenges, rejoice in, in, in the Lord. It's an exhortation um, to you and to me today. Like be people who rejoice in the Lord. Um, be people who during the moment of, of, of crises, during your uh, uh, what just happened moment, rejoice in the Lord. It's a, it's, a, it's a real life question for us today. And the right question then is the next one is this, how, how do we live this one out? So how, how we live out this command. Since we're people that believe in the Bible, and believe that the Bible gives us guidance for every day, then how do we live this, this thing out here? 
You know, we, we've been there, done that for some of us. Tried the don't worry, um, be happy thing, and it, it doesn't work. And then right in the middle of life, rejoice in the Lord. So let's talk about it. The, the word literally means to be glad. So um, it's not mentioned only in this, in this one place, but again, it's this thread throughout um, the in, entire book. And apparently, the Philippian Christians needed to hear this. As, again, so that's why he says, finally, like, you just rejoice in the Lord. And by extension, you and I do too. So there are some lessons that we can draw from Paul's, Paul's words to us today. And I think the, the life that he lived as well. And number one, he, I think, is this. Like, it's easy to get discouraged. Yes? Is it easy for you to get discouraged? Just think about it for just a moment. Like, um, so when challenges come, it, it kind of drags you down a little bit. You get discouraged open up the mail, get the text, what, what, whatever it is, or just read the news. I mean, we can look at the way things are going and it can become really, really discouraging, can it? Uh, for all of us, I've been there and we've all, we've all been there. Or the relationship in your life is not working out and so it's brought a lot of discouragement into your life. Or the job that you have invested in, right? Or your career path or your hopes and your dreams just like in a moment went from like this to this and all of a sudden we're, we're, we're discouraged. It seems like the whole world has just kind of collapsed and has come down. We've experienced some, some loss of some, some type or maybe your kids are out of control no matter what age they are. And then we got to like, don't worry, be happy. You're like, how's that working out? The cure for discouragement, and this is what we're going to talk about, is to rivet one's attention on the Lord and rejoice in Him. But what does it mean to rejoice in Him? That we're coming to that in a moment. So I think that's a lesson. It's, let's, let's, let's admit it. Like, it's, it's easy to be discouraged. Number two, we are capable of rejoicing even when our circumstances are contrary to the spirit of rejoicing and the call to rejoice. So we are capable of doing that. Now, we are not capable in our own selves, in our own strength. I think Jason actually just referred to that just a few minutes ago. We're not capable of doing that in ourselves. It's not like, okay, just muster up enough strength, say the words, don't worry, be happy, or rejoice in the Lord. We're not capable, we are capable because of what he has done in us and what he's doing through us. That's number two. Number three, the third lesson is one that's going to challenge us, I think. We need a biblical theology of suffering. We need to understand what suffering is all about in the life of the believer and what is it that the Bible says. Here's the deal. A biblical theology of suffering always, everybody say always, always points us to Jesus. And that's why Paul, I think, carefully uses these words to rejoice in the Lord. A biblical theology of suffering always points us to, to Jesus. Now, let me break it down. Summarize it. Because there's a difference between um, how the world or, or those um, who are not followers of Jesus look at suffering and how, how the believer is too. So, suffering is whatever comes into our life. Big, small, okay? Worldly suffering, worldly rejoicing is related to what is happening on the outside, Okay? Worldly rejoicing is related to what's happening on the outside. So this is what happens. So um, things go well, I'm happy. Job's working out, I'm happy. You know, career's, career's on a great path, I'm, I'm really happy. It's everything is happening 
on the outside. That's what worldly rejoicing is related to. But let those things stop happening. All of a sudden, the joy is gone. So now it's, it's really going bad. And now I'm not happy. And, you know, now this is going on in my life. And, and it's taken the joy away. Worldly rejoicing is, is related to what is happening on the outside. Tim Keller described it well, I think, when he talks about religion. He says this. The basic premise of religion is that you live a good life, things will go well for you. You can be happy. That is wrong. Jesus was the most morally upright person who ever lived, yet he had a life filled with the experience of poverty, rejection, injustice, and even torture. And he's our model. So if it's all related to what's happening on the outside... And if we have linked our joy to what's going to happen tomorrow or even later today, how's that working out for us? That's worldly rejoicing. But biblical rejoicing is related to what has happened on the inside. What has happened. That is, you became a follower of Jesus. You placed your trust in him. That's what's happened on the inside. And now we can rejoice in him. The biblical rejoicing sees suffering as part of God's plan for our lives. We're one of his. Biblical rejoicing sees Christ at the center of our suffering. Now, the definition of suffering is, is pretty easy. It's like something that causes distress. That, that's it right there. So you have, you have something that causes distress in your life. It's suffering, persecution, whatever you, what you want to call it. So let, let's unwrap this just a, a, a little bit, what that looks like in our life, because it's really for the gospel's sake. Um, and Paul talks about that. We'll see that in just a moment. But followers of Jesus expect and embrace suffering and persecution for the gospel because it aligns us with Christ regardless of personal pain or regardless of the challenge. So when we suffer or when things come into our life, it actually aligns us with Christ. So Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 and 9, but whatever gain I had, get that, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. So whatever I, I had is gone. That's happening on the outside. I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of what things? All things. Can you imagine if Paul had kind of linked his joy on things and now they're gone? For his sake, I suffered the loss of all things and counted, count them as, as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Let me draw a couple of lessons, I think, from, from this passage. Number one, when we rejoice in all things, all things, that's the good and that's the bad, that's the good, and that's the suffering, and that's the challenges that come when we rejoice in all things. We live out Paul's instruction to Timothy in another book um, to share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God. We step into that. Number two, when we rejoice in all things, our focus turns from the temporal to the eternal that can only be found in Christ. Meaning like, what's happening down here 
um, is just temporary. We're, we're going to be with him, right? Our focus is on eternity. Our, our, play, our home is up there. That's why Paul says in Philippians 3, 3 like our citizenship is in heaven, right? It's, it's, it's not here, but it's important how we live here out. So when we rejoice in all things, our focus turns from the temporal things of life to eternity. Number three, when we rejoice in all things, we send the enemy a message, you are not in charge of my life. See, we're all sitting in a place where the enemy just loves at an opportune time when Jesus is being tempted. The Bible says like he, he left him until an opportune time, right? So that's when he comes into your life and to mine, seeks to bring discouragement, seeks to kind of get our eyes off eternity and kind of focus down here. That's what he does. And when we, when we rejoice in all things, we send him a message, you're not in charge of my life. That ain't going to work. Therefore, Paul exhorts us, rejoice in the Lord. And this is something that we cannot miss, right? What's he saying? Rejoice in the Lord. Because what is not is really, really important. Paul doesn't say, rejoice in your good fortune. Right? Rejoice in your good looks. Boy, you've been blessed with good. Rejo- he doesn't say that. Re- re- <laughs> Some amens from the students up there. Um, rejoice in how your career path is going. He didn't say that. I mean, we're to be thankful for how things go in our life. I mean, we thank the Lord for the blessings in our life. He doesn't say that. Rejoice in your wisdom. You really worked this thing out well. He didn't say that. Or rejoice in your perfect planning. It's rejoice in the Lord. See, rejoicing in the Lord is a matter of where our focus lies and the purpose that he, God, has called us to. That's what that means, rejoice in the Lord. Where does our focus lie? The exhortation from Paul reminds us that this life we live and all we experience is simple. Not easy to live out, I don't know, but simple. It's all about making the name of Jesus famous. That's what this life is all about. And so Paul turns our focus from what is happening here in, in life to how we're living this out that impacts the kingdom. And so that's why he says, in the opening, opening chapter of this book we're in, Philippians, he says this, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Let's stop there for just a moment. Here's Paul saying this. I mean, we read, the, we read it, you know, in the black and white. We go like, hey, okay, I, I want you to know, brothers, what is happening. I think he's saying it with some passion here. Like, I, I want you to know. Just like, don't forget. I want you to know that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. You see, let's not forget that Paul is exhorting free people to rejoice in the Lord, and he's in prison. The guy is in prison saying, rejoice in the Lord always. So I want you to know what's happened is really serving to advance the gospel. That's why we live. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard until all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. I'm in prison for him. 
That's what this life is all about. So Paul turned his attention from what was happening to him to what was happening as a result of his trust and faith in Jesus. Sometimes we go like, what's happening to me? And that's where our focus is. Rather than on the life that we're to live out for Christ. We live out this life with intention or we lose perspective during times of suffering. Now, it's important to know that the teaching here is not okay like, okay, you're going through some stuff in your life, just grin and bear it, you're gonna get through it. That, that's not what, I mean, people who aren't followers of Jesus live that life out, right? Just gotta grin and bear it and someday I'm gonna get through it. That, that's, not, that's not what this is. Nor, nor is it a life that says, wow, you know, bring on the pain and suffering. I love it. Because that's weird. And you'd be a weird person to think that, right? So like, what? bring it on. I love suffering. See, um, years ago, there was teaching going around in the church, the Big C Church, Big C Church. There was teaching going on. It was bad teaching. It was not good. And I uh, remember, remember thinking about, whoa, this is, something's wrong here. Yes, here was the teaching. Like, you should, you should thank God for everything that's ha- happening in your, in your life. So if you have a spouse that's abusing you, you, sh- you should thank God for, for him or her. You have bad stuff happening in your life, you should thank God for that. And I'm saying that, that, that is not what, the, that's wrong. Here, here's, here's the teaching. There is a difference between in and for. There's a difference when we rejoice in a circumstance as opposed to for a circumstance. We stand against the wrong and the evil. But what's it mean to rejoice in the Lord? What, a couple questions. I got questions for you. So what if we begin to see our suffering or the, encha- the challenge that we're facing today as an invitation to rejoice in the Lord? I'll tell you what that means in just a moment, in the Lord. So what if we begin to go, okay, okay God, I'm ready. So I'm walking through some things this morning that I I wish I wasn't walking through. Um, Some challenging days I I wish it hadn't come into my life. And, um, but this morning, I'm going to accept this invitation to rejoice in you. What if we begin to see the challenge that we're facing right now, whatever it is, small, big, large, whatever, as an opportunity to advance the gospel. Like Paul, like, hey, what's going on here? I get to, I get to advance the gospel and how I live out this life is gonna be, gonna be noticed by others. What if we begin to do that? And so some more questions as we kind of head for home here. What does suffering look at, like in my own life right now and what role will I allow it to play in the advancement of the gospel? That's only a question that you can answer. What, what's it look like right now? And how will I let this thing advance the gospel? Number two, what does suffering look like within the body of Christ or the church or the faith community that we're talking about right here? What's it look like for us? Because the Bible says that we will, we will face things, we will face persecution, we will face suffering individually from a lot of different uh, um, influences, 
a lot of different reasons, but we will also face suffering and persecution as a community, as a faith community. I believe that as a faith community that together we will continue to see an increase in persecution and suffering for the gospel's sake. I believe that. I believe we're seeing that even today. This is something that we not only expect, but it's an attempt to get you and me to step away from the truth of the scripture. Now, where that's true in a faith community, that's also true in your life. So the enemy's going to come along and he's going to say things to you like this, like if you, if God really loved you, you wouldn't be going through what you're going through right now. You know what I mean? And he will say those, he will whisper those lies right into your, into your ear. But we expect it. And it, we don't allow it to cause us to step away from the truth of the scripture as a faith community or as individuals within our community. We must allow any form of suffering or persecution as a church or as individuals to chip away at the biblical foundation of truth on which we stand. We must stand firmly. Rejoice in the Lord is a call to stand firm in the Lord regardless of what comes our way. And some of you are right there this morning. And here's why. I told you I was going to tell you why. Why can we rejoice in the Lord? There are a lot of reasons. You see, the, the fact is that there are times when we pray and we pray, and then there are times when God removes things from our life. Yes, he does. I mean, it's a miracle, right? And we're to pray for that, and we do. And like, he removes those things from us, and we thank God. There are times he chooses to take us through those things and our trust and faith in him grows as a result. That's what happens. And many of us are there right now. Both are God's will for your life and, and, and for mine. Why can we rejoice in the Lord? Three things, because he is with us in every moment of life. Like, some of us think like, well, God's abandoned me. I'm facing, no, 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 he, no, no, no. No, he's not. That would be unbiblical. He is with us every moment of the life. Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So right in the middle of what you're facing, he's there with you. Man, that's, a, that's a good place to say amen. Even if you don't like amen in church, Right? We rejoice in the Lord because the Lord is with us. Number two, we rejoice because the Bible says all things work together for good to those that love God. So sometimes we like to say like, the good things, the good things work pretty well, but all things, yeah, all things, all things work together for those that love God, including the challenges in our life. Number three, Suffering produces perseverance. So I go like, it's just stick to right? Or our ability to take the next step. I don't know about you, but there are those in life that, that I, have, I have watched and you have watched, and you go like, how in the world were, they just suffered that? How is it that they just able to do that and take the next step? How, how did that happen? It's because of their trust and their faith in God. Jesus set the example for you and for me. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says this, for the joy 
that was set before him for the joy. He endured the cross. For the joy set before him, he endured the pain and the suffering and the humiliation of the cross. What was the joy set before him? It's what the cross accomplished, your salvation and mine. Our rejoicing in the Lord points people to the one who went joyfully before us, suffering on our behalf. So we align with him. And our life lived out rejoicing in the Lord regardless of the circumstance. Says it's all about Jesus. It's all about what he's done. It's all about what he's doing in my life. So I want to go back to the first question I asked you. Right back here. Um, what, what caught you by surprise um, this past week? And, and what if, especially you, those of you who are going like, like some really tough stuff, and I know you are. You know, honestly, and I've thought about this before, that I, I wish that as pastor, I wish I, wish I could, I wish I had the ability to kind of like open up your head or something. Kind of reach in and just take all that junk out. You know, or like, or change your circumstance. You know, but, but I can't do that. No person can do that, but Jesus can. And whether he, he chooses to do a miracle that we all pray for to kind of like change everything immediately or, or maybe he just decides he's going to walk with you through life. What caught you by surprise this past week? Now maybe for some of us we're going to like, perfect week. Oh, don't you love those? Perfect week. But we're not all there. And next week, right, if we're there this week, next week, maybe something's going to catch us by surprise. But here's the question. Will we rejoice in the Lord? And will we allow that, whatever it is, to bring honor to him? We can do this. We can do this as we rejoice in him. Because he never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He's always there. And what we develop is a deeper trust and faith in him as we walk with him and he with us. Amen. Let's stand together, shall we? We're gonna, I'm going to pray, and, and then we're, we're going to sing. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. <clears throat> I'm going to ask you just to think for just a moment about this past week, where maybe, maybe the enemy's come in, he's kind of brought discouragement, whatever it is, whatever it is, or whatever event, whatever caught you by surprise, and let's just lift that to him and say, God, I, I'm, I, I am... I, it, I'm intentionally rejoicing in you right now. Now, that, that may start off with just words, okay? Like you might go like, well, I don't really feel that way right now. Well, I get that. I get that. Because sometimes we don't, right? Uh, sometimes we don't. But I've also discovered as we proclaim it, something begins to happen in our heart and in our life. So I'm just going to ask you, as I pray, let's just take that and go like, okay, God, I'm going to rejoice in you. It's just words right now. It's a step I'm taking. But would you do something in my heart and in my life right now that others will see? Would you do that, God? So, Father, that's what I pray right now. And um, for, for perhaps lots of us, it's been this amazing week. For others of us, like, we, we can breathe, we just can't catch our breath because of what's happened. 
So Lord, in this moment, we are intentionally putting ourselves in the position to rejoice in you. In saying that, we're saying, God, you, you never leave us, never forsake us. If you choose to remove it or change it, God, we readily accept that. But if you choose to walk with us through it, we accept that. And we pray that all of our life will bring glory and honor and focus on you. Everything will seek to make the name of Jesus, your name, famous, I pray. We give these things to you in your name. Amen.
Oh